The dude. Hey, everybody. Good Monday afternoon from a uh, a crisp fall uh, freight alley. I'm loving it. It's that it time is. of year. It's, it's that good gorgeous. time of year. It is. F3. F3 right on the corner, too. Gorgeous. 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 What do we have? Like 30. F3's coming. 35 days till F3. Is that it? Six days. Something like that. Right? Am I right, guys? Man. When is when's November 1st? It's like 35, 36 days from now. Yeah. yeah no, meantime, you're absolutely, yes, 36 days from now. In the meantime, we had a uh, great weekend of football. We right? did have a great weekend. Tennessee owned Florida in two games. Oh, Vols. Right? Oh, the yeah. Canes. You're right. The Vols. The Canes. That was the like Canes, the big surprise Canes, win. But like the done. Gators, yeah. that was a nice win, too. Yeah. MSD. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was uh, very awesome. We saw Jimmy G last night. He's got his chance. Like, I, I love when a quarterback oh, gets a chance to have their own comeback story. And he's in the end zone, right? Yeah. And um, his football IQ is so high. He came up with one of those like almost Bill Belichickian moves <laughs> where you take the safety because he's back there. He, he does like the Dan Orslevsky play. Remember when the, when the Lions went 0-17 or 0-16? He steps out the back of the end, end zone, but he threw the pass and it got picked off by the Broncos and returned for a touchdown. So oh. he saved himself from himself. A d- uh, unbelievable IQ, right? I mean, yeah. He's Einstein. like. Well, right? Dan, Dan Orslevsky from the Lions, he's the, he's the last and only guy to do that. He tweeted last night, I've never been happier freedom (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome dude (laughs) hey i've got a number of the day man you want a number of the day yeah sure the number of the day is 12.97 percent check this out right here that is how much the impact of the uh strike or impending strike possible strike had on rail volumes man from the 13th to the 12th of september rail volumes domestic rail containers dropped 12.97 percent one day I got it's some huge. bad news. I know we've all gotten happy that, like, strike averted and all that. But if you listen to what a lot of the unions are saying, they still have to yeah. ratify that thing. And a lot aren't happy with how that was resolved. So you got yeah. shippers out there. It's an interesting time because you have a lot of them that were really weary of going to the West Coast because of the ILWU potential strike. And we saw yeah. those volumes massively go to the, the uh, U.S. East Coast. But with rail, I mean, I guess you can move to trucking, but it's not like this is going to impact all of rail. It's not like you can just move to, uh, you know, UP from CN or whatever. Yeah, you can't just move. Yeah, and you, ju- you can't. Yeah, you just and you just can't move coal to truck. Yeah, of course <laughs> right? not. It no. just doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. Wow. And if, and if you take place in the Splatfest over the weekend... It's rough. I was on Team Grub. Oh, really? Yeah. How was it? If you go to a desert, deserted island, what yeah. would you take? Food, gear, or fun? Uh, uh, fun. Fun? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I'd bring you to my deserted island. Is that bring the fun? Speaking of gearing up, all eyes are on Florida right now, right? Oh, is man. Ian yeah, is Ian. bearing down. Chris Reeves from Warp, he has a good message for all of you out there. Take heed. Shivers, this is for you. Watch the weather. It's hurricane season again. Rates will be going up inbound into Florida. The amount of trucks that will be hauling water and ice into Florida next week and coming weeks are going to drive up rates into Florida. Drivers will refuse to go to Florida. Make your plans now for your freight inbound into Florida. Don't get caught without a plan. I believe landfall Wednesday. On this uh, th- uh, Thursday, 2 a.m. is somewhere on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late okay. Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Well, early, early, early. Stage early. your own supply chain. It's not only FEMA who's got to do that. Be, yeah. be aware. Especially if you're yeah. going to be hit over in that area. These things come up. It's hurricane season. Today on the show, we've got Owida talking about getting drivers paid for all hours worked. 
There's a new company called Zipmints we'll introduce you to on Canadian Cross Border and their plans on using engineers and techs to uh, solve issues with PAPS numbers and B3s and things like that, Michael Vincent. Ooh, wow. Wilson Logistics is going to come on. They're going to talk about their plans for autonomous trucking with Locomation. We'll see how those integrate. It's really interesting because a lot of times we get to hear from like the companies like Locomation, but now we get to hear from the partner on the other side. What does this mean for them? What are the plans? How is this all going to work out? Yeah, totally different perspective. That's going to be very, very interesting to see why this partnership and what we can expect out of it. Yeah. I like what they're doing there, man. Hey, we got some great headlines, too. So before we do that, let's uh, tip the band and we'll get into it. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Chicago's Business Fast 50 list. How do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell hey, them, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. All right, headlines. All right, what do we got going on here? Ah, oh, man, auto industry has been tough. This whole entire supply chain crisis since 2020 has just rankled the supply chain industry. But here's an interesting one. Ford, you know, we always hear about the chips yeah. that they oh, yeah, can't yeah. get the yeah. cars out there. Salsa well, trucks, the whole thing, yeah. Ford doesn't have enough badges. You know the iconic Ford oval badge, the blue oval badge? We don't need no stinking badges. They don't. They need those stinking oh, badges. They, <laughs> they can't move their trucks, their trucks and cars. None of them, there's thousands of them. <laughs> Ford says they can't get enough of the blue oval badges that are affixed to the exterior of its vehicles. That's what spokesman T.R. Reid confirmed to Axios. It's the latest in a host of challenges that have bedeviled the OEMs and the industry. This is 45,000 cars that were supposed to come out in the, fourth, in the third quarter that are not going to come out now. However, however, a Redditor says that that Axios story is really kind of missing a lot. Mm -hmm. It's really bearing mm -hmm. the lead or it doesn't even include the lead. They say the real story is the manufacturer of badges, Tybar, allegedly contaminates the water to levels exceeding the capacity of the local treatment plant. Tribar also makes badges for Toyota and GM. But you know, headlines got a headline. Yeah, it's interesting. Are they covering this thing up? I looked into that a little bit. There's some. They did some testing in the rivers. They accidentally released some of this chromium, hexa-something hexa so. chromium stuff into the water. Not good stuff, but... Yeah, uh, we'll find out know. someone who knows more about that. Yeah, we certainly will. It, uh, so I was reading something in Supply Chain Dive, and this probably is the reason why Ford Motor is searching for a global chief supply chain officer as yeah. the automaker looks to overhaul operations following higher supplier costs in parks. The automaker said Thursday is creating a global chief supply chain officer... Their CFO, John Lawler, <laughs> will time? oversee it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, what, they've been in business for 100-some years? No, so, like, you would think you'd have a global supply chain chief. I would, <laughs> I, that, that was what was shocking to me is, yeah. really? <laughs> Why do you need one of these? Anyways, Yeah, so they got one coming, man. Well, I, it seems like they maybe were doing what a lot of companies are doing. They have their CFO looking at stuff. They had Johnny the King Lawler. He's their CFO. He says he'll oversee a makeover of Ford's global supply chain operations until this position is filled. Um Jonathan Jennings, he's our vice president of supply chain. He'll take additional responsibilities as well. And I guess help them find these badges. Yeah. Find another supplier for the Ford badges. Yeah. I had no idea. Speaking of companies that have been in the news a lot, Nikola. Nikola, they can't catch a break. Now they are recalling all of their electric trucks, Ooh, right? And yeah. it's a good thing when we got to ride one over at Covenant up the street, ours didn't crash because they're getting recalled for a seatbelt issue. Al Nadler reports Nikola Corp is recalling all 93 battery electric class 8 trucks. It is built to date because improper installation of shoulder anchorage assemblies on the seatbelts that 
could reduce protection in a crash. This is a little bit like Jimmy G taking the safety instead of throwing the pick six. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, I felt a little something when we were riding in there, but maybe, I don't, know. I don't know. The electric truck maker began popular, regular production, sorry, at a new plant in Coolidge, Arizona. In March, it reported to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration on September 14th that it has no warranty or customer claims for the issue. Yet, the assembly, as designed and installed, could become detached under the weight of a passenger, the seatbelt anchor. Assembly. Yeah, but here, get this. They, yeah. they, during a pre-delivery inspection, this was in July 18th, that they initially discovered this problem. It disconnected from oh, the B-pillar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Nicholas says to replace the components in the B-pillar, but it does make you wonder, why did it take until now? They just put this notice out now if they've known about it since... July. Maybe those take a while to investigate. I'm not sure, but that's the case as it is for Nicola. By the way, Trevor Milton, his case resumes on Wednesday. I've been following uh, the live tweet threads around that case, and I was happy to see that they finally brought up the fountain that he wanted to put into the dash on the Badger. I don't know if you remember that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, he went on Twitter that. and he boasted that you could drink the runoff of the hydrogen fuel <laughs> that the Nicola fuel cell produces, and they were going to put a fountain in the middle of the dashboard, and you could just you could drink your emissions, which almost makes you think Trevor Milton's like an android or something. Because like, wh who would, who is it? Like, who wants to drink their emission fluid? I don't know. I don't do. It. I only do it because it's sterile and I like the taste. You just, you just <laughs> like the taste. <laughs> well, too bad. You'll never get a badger. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. That's absolutely crazy. Hey, let's check in with Wilson Logistics. It's Bruce Stockton. He's the COO over there. But Bruce, before we get into things, I have a little trivia question for you based on your past, and we'll see how you do at this one, okay? All right, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So you went to Missouri Southern State University, correct? Correct. It now, was a it, college then, but now they call it a university. So. Uh, all right. Well, Dennis Weaver, the actor, went there, and he stars in one trucking-related movie. Do you know which one it is? Oh, I do not know the name. I know I've, I've seen the movie, but I, I can't tell you the name. It's but Steven, he is a Joplin native. He's Steven Spielberg classic Duel. Duel. All right. I learned something already today. <laughs> so, well, yeah. now it's it's your turn to teach us a little bit about yourself. Before we jump into the partnership with Locomotion, though, um, who are you? What's Wilson and, and what are you guys doing with Loco? So um, we've been associated with Locomation since 2020, and at the time, we, we had a, a large presence in the, in the western 11 states, uh, specifically Pacific Northwest, and, and run an I-5 corridor. We sold that portion of the company back in December, and now we're focused on uh, the Midwest part of the country, uh, really from you know traffic lanes from St. Louis uh, down 44, through Springfield, where we're uh, based, Missouri, uh, down 35 through Oklahoma in, and into Texas. And, you know, our interest with locomation and our excitement about locomation really deals with predominantly for us uh, what, what I see it being able to do for uh, the job of operating a commercial motor vehicle. Uh, as a driver myself from years ago, and, and, and this goes way back, so it tells you my age back to the mid-80s, uh, our industry has always talked about a driver shortage. Uh, and, and when I talk to drivers today, especially new drivers or existing drivers in the industry, they say, well, Bruce, why, why would you want to get involved in, a, in something that's going to do away with our job? And that's the furthest thing from the truth. What, what 
what this type of technology does, and it's really human-guided autonomous vehicles. Uh, the, the key word there is human-guided. Uh, I don't see in, in the rest of my career or anytime soon that we're going to take the driver out of the truck. But the truck has certainly gotten uh, a lot of technology installed in the truck that requires some training and, and likely future certifications to be able to operate uh, that autonomous uh, truck. And so the, the opportunity I see is that our job as drivers is becoming a much high, a higher skilled level of a job and a position that to me, what, what opportunity that creates for our industry is to attract more people to our industry where in the last 10 years or so, you know, a lot of the quote unquote experts have said, well, you know, there's just a shortage of drivers and, and, uh, you know, it's a tough job and they're gone from home a long period of time and the lifestyle's not great. Uh, and, and it's kind of been, um, downplayed Our our careers have been downplayed. And, and what I see this happening is having to learn this technology, understand the technology and becoming more of a commercial vehicle operator and less of a driver uh, because of the autonomous pieces really makes the job more attractive and more challenging and certainly more technical. You know, Bruce, all that makes perfect sense. And I, and I, and I agree with you hundred percent. It's the safety aspects. It's, it's changing the aspect or the technical nature of the job more than it is replacing those drivers. And I don't see it coming anytime soon where there's no drivers that are in there either. Talk about the relationship with locomation and how important it is to get into these relationships early on in the early innings, if you will, what are the benefits going back and forth between you two? Cause they're getting benefits from this partnership with you as well. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, from our side, uh, we're learning and understanding the technology firsthand and we've seen different phases, uh, already in the last three years of that technology. We're seeing the improvements we're seeing, early on the shortfalls and, and what they're able to do with that technology to improve those shortcomings. Uh, they're learning from us about the industry because they're, they're highly technical people. And while they employ some drivers in their, uh, in their staff, uh, they, they're really learning the trucking side of the business from us and, and how freight moves around this country and how, segmented it still is around this country that it's not one it's not one big pot of freight that's out there that everybody can uh, really pick from that because there's so many carriers and so many options with uh, direct business with customers with dedicated business with brokerage freight that's out there that still sort of clogs the market um you know, it's, it's not one big pot of freight that everybody can just go in and pick from. And when you introduce the autonomous portion into that, uh, then it becomes uh, pretty difficult to understand how are we going to make this autonomous thing work and some of the benefits of autonomy, uh, some of the efficiencies that are uh, outlined 
in in the plan, not just from Locomation, but any any of those companies that are introducing this technology. How are we going to make that happen? And that's where real truckers like people at Wilson Logistics and the other partners that they have have aligned themselves with can keep them on the right path and make sure that the technology they're developing is going to make sure that it, it really works with with what we do today and what we're trying to improve on today. What do you have to do right now to, to sort of make that happen, just sort of like internally over at Wilson? Because there's probably a lot of carriers out there that want to go on this journey, but it's like, ah, this is a whole scary, brave new world. I don't want to touch it. What, is, what does a place like yours have to do? Like, how do you get your drivers ready for something like this? Well, you have to you have to make the commitment, obviously, and Wilson has made that commitment. Uh, and it really starts with making sure that our drivers have the proper training and truly understand the technology. It, to me, it's no different than when uh, years ago, when the, the Eaton Vorad was introduced to our industry, and now most trucks that, that fleets are purchasing have radar on them uh, that, that helps mitigate forward collision uh, situations and, and really starts to technically help the driver be a better driver and be a safer driver. But, but the driver really needs to understand how that technology works, why it's doing what it's doing before you just put them in the truck. And I've made that mistake myself. Uh, we spend a lot of time at Wilson Logistics with driver training. We have, uh, we have our uh, simulators that we put every driver through and develop a baseline. And then after their on-road uh, training uh, is complete, and they're they're near their testing point. They come back in and they they run again on the simulators to see the progress that they've made, or maybe areas that they need more help. And it's it's the training of the driver that to us uh, is going to be key in helping companies like Locomation really be able to make that that technology perform well uh, out on the highway. All makes sense. Bruce, thanks so much for sharing uh, as you go on this journey with Locomation. Thanks for your time today. We got to get out there someday and, and get in some of these simulators. I'm going to jump on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Come, come to Springfield. We'll put you in a simulator. Love it. Whenever love it. you're ready. That'll be our next trip, go. man. Take, take it easy. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. <laughs> take care. Have a good time. I'm me, not riding in a truck behind you, though. Behind me? Yeah. In Locomation? Oh, yeah. I'm either the lead oh, like truck or I'm not going one? Yeah. with you. You, you can just sleep in the cab the whole time. <laughs> Meanwhile, like a lovely spot. Uh oh, right there. Oh no! <laughs> it's a bear. Did she really try and close the door on that bear? I forgot to dub in Ryan saying, "Is that a bear?" <laughs> oh, dude, ah, no. yeah, that's a bear, man. <laughs> Those little black bears, though, they'll just, they'll just nip you. They won't get you too bad. You don't have. He to, wasn't all that scared, really. He's like, "What's in the basket, death. man? You got some pies in there? What's up with?" <laughs> Although it's getting close to hibernation time, so if you're out there on a hike with like your dog or your kids or something, be a little be a little wary. Yeah, not all there. bears are going to be that that friendly or docile. Yeah. Well, anyways, we got Bryce Mungin on now. He's the director of legislative affairs over at OIDA. 
And um, I have a question for him because I just looked this up and I thought it was really interesting. And it turns out he's a Colgate alum. And I found out there was something really weird about the number 13 with you Colgate alumnus. Like you wear alumni gear on Friday the 13th and stuff like that. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, the uh, the the legend is that the university was started by 13 men with 13 prayers uh, and 13 dollars. So that's the that's why the number holds significance for uh, for the university. Wow. Well, I heard a while it was started a similar wage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe. maybe yeah, we, we should look into that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, a new battle that you are getting in and, and advocating for is this new GOT mm-hmm. Act. And um, I'm not really that familiar with it. All I know is it doesn't stand for Game of Thrones Act, as uh, Narita <laughs> told me. So get us up to date. What is the GOT Act and, and why is it important to trucking? Yes. So the GOT Act or the Got Truckers Act or the Guaranteeing Overtime for Truckers Act is legislation that would eliminate uh, the law right now that basically denies truckers guaranteed overtime pay. So when the Fair Labor Standards Act was enacted way back in 1938, it included and still includes an exemption uh, that says anyone who's under the authority of the, the DOT to set their working hours, uh, you don't have to pay them overtime. And so obviously a lot has changed since 1938 um, across the country, across the economy, and especially in trucking. And so we think it's well past time that this be eliminated so that truckers are finally paid for all of the hours that they work. Well, that, that makes total sense. Coming from 1938, it's maybe time to take a second look at this, I would suppose. My question is this, what is, what, is, what is the pushback against that? Is it merely just a cost thing from the enterprise people, or are there drivers that are against this as well? Wh- who, who's against it? What's the pushbacks? What's the argument? So I think there's – so some of the pushback we've heard, uh, and I think this is kind of some of the uh, less forthright pushback that we've heard, but it's that it would somehow re-regulate trucking or – regulate pay or it would be too difficult or complicated or somehow drivers would end up seeing less pay as a result of this. Um, But really, we know the pushback for for the most part comes down to right now, people don't have to pay truckers for Mm. all their time or they don't have to worry about keeping a trucker detained or waiting for another hour or two. So well, we know that there there may be some ways of trying to phrase it that sound scary. Um, we, we know the bottom line is a lot of people, a lot of other people throughout the uh, throughout the supply chain, they benefit from, you know, not having to count all those hours that a driver works. Now, so how exactly would that work into trucking? Trucking is a little bit unique compared to a lot yeah. of industries, for example. Like if, if I work somewhere and I work overtime, let's say at McDonald's, I get paid, you know, like time and a half overtime. It's paid for me by McDonald's. But trucking, you're paid by all different intermediaries. How exactly would overtime work in this realm? Right. So one thing to, to make clear is the, the bill is only, uh, you know, in the FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act only applies to employees. So this legislation would only uh, directly affect pay for employees. Um, And what it would do is make, uh, and it would apply the law's general overtime requirement to employee drivers. So uh, overtime is you just take how much much you're paid in in a work week. You figure out um, what that rate of pay is uh, by the hour when you look at, um, you know, 40 hours worked in a week. 
And then for 40, when you're working over 40 hours in a week, uh, you're required to be paid time and a half for all those hours worked over 40. So while there may be multiple ways that, uh, you know, drivers are paid in the industry, whether it's, uh, you know, by the mile, uh, by the load, maybe paid some sort of uh, rate uh, while, you know, detention time, waiting time, things like that. Uh, the, the calculation would be figuring out how much does a, a driver make in a, in a 40 hour week. And then for every hour worked uh, over that, it would be time and a half. And the one thing I would like to clarify too, is that we know that uh, this would lead to some sort of uh, uh, changes in the industry with, you know, how pay is done generally. We don't expect that, you know, carriers and everyone else, whoever's paying drivers, they're just going to say, well, we're just going to calculate that rate and start paying drivers time and a half. We know that there would be some sort of recalibration of rates and that, uh, you know, in the end, drivers may see compensation that's very similar to what they're seeing now. But the bottom line is everyone will finally be on the hook for all those hours work. So while a driver, um, you know, maybe they're making about the same and maybe they're, you know, working a little bit less. Uh, the benefit may be when they're, uh, someone has to make a decision about keeping that driver waiting for an extra hour or two. Maybe they'll think twice because they know that uh, the driver would be eligible or would have to be paid overtime for that. So uh, we know that the, the calculation itself is, you know, relatively straightforward, but it would lead to, to some changes uh, in the industry. Yeah, so Bryce, that makes sense. Uh, it it mm-hmm. would be more of an impact on quality of life, which, uh, you know, we're seeing yeah. that in a railroad right now. And obviously that's a concern with drivers as well as that quality of life. You, you don't have to yeah. pay for it. Therefore, you can keep me as long as you want and not give me a bathroom or let me park anywhere either. So we might as well throw those mm-hmm. two in there as well. Right. But uh, as you look towards this, how does this get worded to uh, prevent the unintended consequences that could possibly come down the pike from here. Like we said, others saying, well, they'll just drop the rate and then, you know, they're not going to make as much money as they did before or the bastardization. It just takes the wrong person to walk in and and negotiate a rate that throws it all out of whack. How does that get prevented? Yeah, I think it is one of those things where, um, and (laughs) we were talking about this internally, but I think it is something where the industry, I don't know if, not police isn't the right word, but I think it is something that will 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 work itself out because drivers aren't going to ultimately be taking reduced compensation to keep working. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there are some actors that try and, uh, you know, monkey with this and see if they can end up paying drivers less or somehow figure out a way if they can you know, get drivers into to working more hours if they can tweak things in a way that ultimately, you know, shakes out better for a carrier or someone else than the driver. But at the time, we know that there's extremely high turnover and we hear a lot of carriers talking about focusing on retention. We just think it's difficult to see how this would play out in a way where drivers are making less money for more work. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we just it's really difficult to see how, how that would happen again at a time when driver, carriers themselves have touted increases to uh, increase compensation, increase work life balance, increase, um, you know, working conditions. We, you know, for all the kind of scaremongering there may be about how this will lead to reduce compensation for drivers, it's just hard to imagine that in the end you'll see drivers just, you know, 
take reduced compensation mm-hmm. as a result of this because right now they're already you know if you listen to the carriers they're going somewhere else because they can they can get more money and that's what's causing the turnover so right. I, I do think it is one of those things where you know drivers will be eventually smart enough to figure out if there's someone who's trying to pull one over uh, as a result of this now if the employer pays it right how would that necessarily incentivize the shipper though if the shipper is not the one that's employing the drivers there's a lot of cases it's an independent driver or sure. it's just a regular carrier yeah. So I, I think this is something where, um, you know, this would be a conversation between shippers, receivers, carriers and everyone else you know, in the in the industry. And I think it's specifically when you're talking about something like detention time, that's something that we've struggled with for so long uh, is how do you reduce detention time? Because we know it is a, a safety issue um, for the roads. We know as detention time goes up, you increase uh, you increase the risk of crashes. We know that it leads to dissatisfaction with, um, you know, with the profession for drivers. And so we've struggled with how do we reduce detention time or how do we incentivize, uh, you know, shippers, receivers or anyone else to reduce those delays. And it's really difficult because we don't want to go in and regulate time or regulate pay or anything like that. So we think that this solution is the best way to attack it because, uh, you know, it, it is in our minds kind of a deregulation. You know, why should drivers be paid differently? Why should they be exempt from overtime? Um, so I, I think the the response there is it, it, it's, again, things that will have to work themselves out. But uh, just because there may be some adjustments that have to go on um, is not a good reason to keep something that's led to, sure. uh, you know, led to driver's time being devalued to, to be kept in place. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's a it's a cat that's been out of the bag since 1938. And it's going to be hard to wrangle that thing back into that bag and, and move forward, so to speak. Right. When you talk mm-hmm. about like the independent owner operators, would they be yeah. exempt from this type of thing? I mean, you're an owner operator, but you're self-employed. Right. Does that fall under? Would that fall into this? Or you, so they would have to play by the same rule. They couldn't just let themselves be detained in order to get the business because it's cheaper than an enterprise or something. Right. So if you're operating as an independent owner operator, an independent contractor, you're not subject to the Fair Labor Standards Act already. So this wouldn't change anything directly. But we know that if uh, this changes for employee drivers and increases compensation that they're receiving, that's something that will eventually work its way through the rest of the trucking industry. Um, You know, as rates go up for one, uh, it's it's going to help improve rates across the industry. So it's a it's a rising tide lifts all boats uh, mm-hmm. approach to this issue. Um, you know, again, between rates, compensation, but also again delays and other uh, issues that uh, that drivers face. We think that it's it's going to improve those conditions for everyone, even though it's not going to directly to directly. Uh, you know, change uh, situation for independent contractors. Gotcha. Great. What do we got to keep an eye out for? What's the next uh, step in all of this? Yeah. So right now, uh, and the reason we're kind of seeing some more activity on this or interest in this is that uh, there's been a Senate version of the bill that's that was introduced just a, a few weeks ago now. So we're going to continue to try and build co-sponsors on this. We don't think that this is something that's going to move before the end of the year, but now we have bills in the House and Senate. So we're going to just try to, to keep support, keep building support for this, get lawmakers to learn about it, because frankly, it's something that hasn't. This is the first time this bill has been introduced to Congress. It's been around for a long time, but it's just something that not enough people have paid attention to. So I think keeping looking for uh, new members signing on to the bill and learning about it is, is what we're hoping to do over the end of the year here. Great. Hey, thanks for filling us in on what's going on with this. Good luck to you and, and this. Uh, overtime thank you. Act. Take care. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bryce. It. Yeah, good stuff. Good luck to them.
You think yeah, they'll get it yeah. through? Push it through? Yeah. I mean, it sounds fair enough. I mean, even if some of the uh, the associated things afterwards could be a little bit complicated just because of, of the nature at trucking, at least it affords some protection to those that are considered employees to get paid a fair amount for their time. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. It sounds fair enough to me as well. I agree. Good luck to them. Uh, the difficult thing is he's struggling with, and he knows it, is is uh, getting everybody the right information, right, to kill that hype of, well, it's going to do this or that. Yeah. Uh, you know what's tough about it, too, is that <laughs> who's incentivized by paying the overtime here, though? Yeah, right? no, I, I agree. The shipper's I get it. not really incentivized because if they don't have to pay it, I mean, trucking rates could go up because this, but that's highly unlikely. Like, the, the, that's just not the way trucking rates work. They're more capacity demand driven. Um, the carriers aren't going to advocate for it because they're the ones who would have to pay the money. They're going to want, yeah, they're the ones that are going to pay. Maybe, I mean, you get stricter laws on free time. It's up to us, Maybe man. something comes out or stricter. It's up to us, the people and the drivers. Say, damn, the man, get that overtime act. It's up to yeah. you, boys and do girls. It. All right, Adri, too, do you remember what Von Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? I do. He said, bigger is not better. Better is better. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life science operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final model providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets. That tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. By the way, we got to give a shout out to the salt of the earth, Ryan Rogers oh, over yeah. at Tex Locate. He's over at he's the at, Cloud User Conference, right? Over yeah, he's Nashville. up at Music City. He's at Nashville Music City Center. Uh, he had the misfortune of um, putting his phone number on LinkedIn and telling people to text him. Text him and um, he'll meet up with him at the <laughs> You never want to do when we're around and, and bored on a Monday morning. <laughs> no. So, uh, but he's salt of the earth. You told him that you were having a lot of stomach issues. You were stuck in the toilet. You couldn't get off the toilet. <laughs> and you even asked him if you would go in like live stream one of the sessions because you couldn't get off the toilet. I couldn't get off the toilet because you go to live stream a session for me and he was going to do it. That's when we let him off the hook. He's the best part. No only did he agree to do it when it was like when it was done because we didn't make him do it. You were like, oh, I'm just messing with you. He goes, who is this by the way? They didn't (laughs) even know know it was you. He was just doing this for any random person who would have just had him running around filming a Listen, no better business partner than Ryan Rogers. He's at he's at the music uh, Music City uh, Center there in Nashville. Yes, te- go he see him. Uh, text him. Look it up on LinkedIn. He's got his number. It's right I there. I thought you went a little too far though. Like you were going to send him to go get some Pepto Bismol, yeah. and we were and like putting in there like uh, get Pepto Bismol, but if the it, only if it's on sale, if the store brand is cheaper, you know, get, get, get the, the store. He would have gone. He would have oh, gone, yeah, gone, gone in a heartbeat. He's the best. He's the best. Thank you, Ryan. Anyways, we got the king on now. It's Elvis Kavalik. <laughs> He's the product manager over at Zitmans.io. And I got to ask him about that thing behind him. Are you a big Buffalo Sabres fan? No, just just, uh, just office art, I guess. No, it's just, uh, <laughs> it looks like some indigenous art in the background here. Because oh, okay. you are, like, you got to be a hockey fan. You're Canadian, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, Flames fan for sure, 100%. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because you're over in the Calgary area, aren't you? Are you not? Yeah, that's right. Alberta all right. born. All right, so there's <laughs> Buffalo all over Alberta. Hey, kind of. Yeah, yeah, there's Buffalo. Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart, the Hart family dungeon over there and stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Calgary, yeah, Alberta, yeah. Canada. He's like the hero they? of Canada. Are they the Stampeders? Is that right? Yeah, the Stampeders over there. Doug Flutie, yeah. I think, played for the Stampeders right for a little bit. Right on. That's right. That's right. Well, you're, you're building something new up there, and it's actually a world that I used to be in. I used to deal with cross-border freight quite a bit up in Canada when I worked for a company called and Daringer, and now you are using this company called Zipmans, and you're trying to sort of bring tech to the border. Tell us a little bit about what you're all up to. 
Yeah. So first of all, I got to say, you know, I, I just got into the logistics space in the last year here. And um, What the Truck was one of the first podcasts I went to to kind of get an idea of the industry and, and what it's all about. So thank you for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the show. I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, but Zipmits is a technology. For first uh, time. <laughs> there you go. Pardon me? Oh, you're all good. I was just giving you a little cowbell for your first time on the show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so like, so we're a logistics tech startup, and our whole focus is the border uh, when it comes to truckers and importers. And so what, what's been happening over the last several years is there's a lot of misconceptions. People are paying way too much, or they're just not crossing because they're scared. And um, we're, we're trying to solve that with our platform. We're trying, to, we're trying to solve the border for truckers and importers. Yeah, so uh, tell me, uh, how do a, a group of engineers solve this problem? What are the issues and what are you tackling specifically? So the, the best way to solve a problem is to talk to the people on the ground. And that's what we've been doing. So we're definitely in product development mode over the last nine to 10 months here. And we're, we've, we've helped dozens of companies, drivers, freight brokers cross the border. You know, we built up, even though we haven't, we haven't really started a product yet, we built up uh, hundreds of customers, right? And, and that, that speaks volumes to the issue right now at the border. Um, people, people are just, they're just not knowledgeable and they're being taken advantage of. So there's the, those are the two issues, right? So for example, I had, I had a driver coming in from Florida all the way to Ontario and, and he, he, he was delivering something for a big multinational, multi-billion dollar company. And, and, and he said, yeah, I don't, I've never crossed the border. What do I need? Ah, just bring your CDL, just bring your CDL. So he drove all the way from Florida to Ontario with nothing else. And that's sort of like an, an example of, of like what what needs to be changed here, and 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 the the whole border process needs to be demystified, and it needs to be simplified, and it needs to be accessible for everyone. We want to make the border something that you know is is just only a little different for from a domestic trip. How did this get on your radar? You said you're relatively new to logistics, so how did a focus on the border and logistics even come into your view? So, so the, this startup is privately backed by logistics executives for, for, from the space. But essentially, what we started with was a, a PARS and a PAPS tracker. And what is what is that? What is a PARS and a PAPS tracker? Essentially, every shipment that crosses the border has a identify identify number, and it's called a PARS or a PAPS number. Mm-hmm. And what people use that for is figuring out when the shipment is ready to cross and when it has crossed the border. Right. So it's a very simple tracking tool that we launched. And and what we did was, you know, previously people had to go to individual customs brokers websites and find out from each different whoever was clearing that load, whoever was responsible for that load. That's where they got the information from. Well, we brought it all together in one place. And then the next step was, okay, now we have the users. We have we're like we're searching over 20,000 shipments a month. You know, we have over 5000 carriers who use this every month and that's growing. And. What, what, what's happening now is, okay, so our next step was, okay, so how do we help them? How, like, what's their issues? Let's find out. Let's, let's take a deep dive into this, right? And we opened up the chatbot. And that's when we figured out, oh, okay, this is something. People are having issues communicating with customs broker. People are arriving at the border without the right paperwork. People aren't telling the border ahead of the time that they're coming. So it's a whole bunch of things. And on these chatbots, you know, I'll give you an example. Someone will be like, hey, I tracked my PARS number. It's not cleared. What's going on? And so I'll be like, okay, let me take a look at this. I'll look at it. I'll see that it's not cleared. And I'll say, okay, you need to contact your customs broker. And they'll say they're not answering the phone or, or they'll answer the phone and they'll kind of give me the runaround. So I'll go and take it upon myself and I'll say, do you want me to give him a call for you? 
And so I, I go deep in this process. I, I love helping people. I love working directly with these people, figuring out what the issue is and so that we can build the solution for them. And realistically, a lot of it is just knowledge and people just, they're just kind of putting that knowledge behind a walled garden in a sense. They're not, they're not like, they're not helping people do it easily because there's a whole business of making it difficult. So Elvis, let me ask you this. It, uh, it, it's really cool. And it's refreshing to see that you guys noticed and uh, th there, there is a problem. We're engineers and we're going after this problem, right? But you didn't decide on what the solution was in your eyes. You're gathering it from 5,000 different carriers that are using you right now and talking to them to figure out what is going on. Are you building teams through them as, as kind of these customer, like a, a product guidance from these customers to try and tackle the exact issues and, and solve those? You just, you just put together a thing, you know, you just eloquently talked about the PARS and how it said, hey, this should be good to go. And it wasn't, right? Are those the type of things mm -hmm. you're going after? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so there's 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 two issues, right? There's there, there's a small owner operator, the small fleets that just have no clue. They want to go across the border, but they're scared, right? And then there's the the mid-sized fleets that don't have processes and systems for for operating at any scale. And so what they're having to do is either hire a lot of people to handle it or they're just running into a lot of problems, right? So it, even though even though crossing the border is extremely easy, it's like pulling teeth. You can only, you know, maybe you can only pull one a week, right? But yeah. if you start doing, you know, 15, 20 a week and you're dealing with 15, 20 different customs brokers, some of them with good processes, some of them answering the phone, some of them not answering the phone, it, it can be really chaotic. And so one of the things that we want to do is be the bridge, the communications bridge, and also hold the customs broker accountable. Because if there's something that can go wrong, I want to say a 99 times out of 100, it's going to be on the customs broker side or a lack of communication between the carrier and the customs broker. So that's part of the, that's the big piece between, you know, all the conversations we've had is just having a, an easier way to communicate to the customs broker. And not just that, but keep them accountable. Right now, there's no way to keep customs brokers accountable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there needs to be more of that for sure. Well, what, yeah. what do you think, um, before I let you go, what do you think the hardest problem is that you and your team have solved so far? Yeah, I would say, I would say that the, the hardest problem that we're solving, because we haven't launched a product yet, right? So the hardest problem that we're solving is getting people across the border. I, I will walk people across the border. I, they, they can call me. They can send me an email. Like I, I'm there for them. I will be there to help them cross the border. And so the most rewarding part of the job so far has been helping people cross the border and teaching them like, hey, this is actually a really easy process. All, you're, all you really have to do as a carrier, your responsibility is simple. It's telling the border when you're crossing, who's crossing and where you're crossing. So what port are you crossing? What border crossing are you crossing? That's it. As long as you do that job, you're good. But there's a lot of fear and a lot of misconceptions. So just being able to teach people and help them get across and then giving them the confidence. Okay. Then now, now I know I can do this. Now I know I can take loads going into Canada. There's no, nothing stopping me. That's been a huge, you know, like a rewarding part of the mm -hmm. job so mm -hmm. far. I'd say. Really cool. Yeah, well, Hey, people absolutely. who want to learn more about what you're all up to, where do I send them to? So you can, you know, I, I, I would love it. it. Like, so if you're a trucking company and you're thinking, I want to expand into Canada or the U S going from Canada. Yeah. Call me. I, I don't, I'm a product manager. I'm not a salesperson, right? I have nothing to sell you. I want to help you because, you know, they say one of the easiest, one of the best ways to learn is to teach someone. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. We want to build the best, ultimate, the best solution for you possible. Right. So by reaching out to me 
and, and helping yourself, you know, grow your business, expand your operations, give yourself some new leverage, you're helping me. So there, okay. there's no reason for you to hesitate. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or, yeah. or, or go directly on, on app.zitmans.io and contact cool. support. And we're happy to help you. Nice. Thank, hey, Elvis, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Good luck to your thank flames you. up thank there. You. Take it easy. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Elvis has left the building. Elvis has left the building. Yeah. What was it? Zipmans.io. That's what we were looking for there. Um, yeah. Hey, let's take a look at a video here. Let's roll this tape. What's going on in the world right now? All right, got a driver right here. Looks like he's eating a little <laughs> this food. This guy. As he goes down on the road, I do notice he's not wearing his safety belt. Not well, a great idea yeah, too. yeah. But he's got it handy. Oh, here he goes, though. He's got he's, it handy. Is he going to do just one of those, like, sky oh, mall? Nope, you nope, lay it over. It no, he's really hooking himself in it. Well, I think he saw a cop over there. Yeah. So he's going to check out the cop. Uh-oh, here comes some train tracks, though. Train's on the way. He's got and plenty of there's time. there's a stop sign just on the other side. He, this guy hasn't even noticed the train yet. He's got no idea. Here he goes. He finally sees the train. Oh, is. there he goes. <laughs> oh, wow. God. Look at him. Yeah, not only mild. He that guy didn't get seriously injured in that. You're surprising. He but, didn't. Uh, you know? Wow. I mean, he got. He got. Good thing he put his thing. Good thing he saw that cop and like finally put his safety belt on, because he got rocked by that train. Like if you're looking over there, if you if you're watching the video, he's looking out the window, right? He's more interested in what's happening on the left, yeah. than on the right, because I think he saw that cop and then that train just comes out of nowhere. I don't know exactly how long this truck was, but he clearly uh, hadn't crossed the tracks at the time. No, he had not gotten all the way across. I don't know if he was... I, I don't know. I, I think he stopped and just couldn't get it in gear fast enough once he saw that train is what it looked like to me. Dude, imagine being that girl. Where, where did that story happen out of where they, the police officers, they pulled is that it, lady... Uh, Colorado somewhere. Was it Colorado? They pulled yeah. a lady out. They stopped her and they put her in the back of their police cruiser, which they had parked on the train tracks. <laughs> the train tracks. They just put out some body cam footage on that. They were showing, like, them there's a guy standing by the car and the door's still open on it and there's he just like kind of slowly backs away and boom. but he's looking at the car he's looking at the train going i don't have enough time and he just gets out of the way he just, just gets out of the way which i mean crazy. at that point in that video it was edited a bit i'm not sure how much time they had where they heard the train and could have got the person out but man, that uh, frightening. yeah the video doesn't look like much but still i mean just the fact that it was set up that way was like how did you not know you parked on yeah, train tracks. But be mindful. Anyway. Look for the blue sign on those train tracks. Like yeah, the blue you. sign, man. Call even if you're a cop. You got to. Meanwhile, in uh, Hamburg last year, check this thing out, man. You're just sitting on this ferry, getting some work done on your laptop. It's a little bit of a rough weather that's going on here, but check out this stuff here. Look how long it takes. <laughs> Look at this. This is crazy. It's not bad. Oh, 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 oh no! The Titanic theme. Look at this guy. What I gotta say, yeah, like <laughs> that person <laughs> stayed excessively long. A lot of these people did. Just kind of, I guess maybe you're in shock. Like, who expects the ocean to just start flying into your ferry? I don't. Know, maybe he thought he was far enough back it wasn't gonna get to him. <laughs> did this sink? Like, were there injuries? What happened? Look at that. No, they didn't. Fortunately, no. there were only minor injuries. Yeah, no, it minor did not sink. Injuries. Yeah, that's crazy though. Look at that. I was on one once between in the Virgin Islands. That was, you know. You can see land in between the waves. That's it. No, I mean, if you look, if you look at some of the biggest oh. boating accidents, loss of life boating accidents in history, a lot of them are ferries. Yeah, a lot of them are big ferry tips and ferry drownings. And I think that, like here in the West, we probably don't take it that seriously. It's more like a, like in India where you hear those kind of stories come out of. But uh, I don't know. I would be well, that was in covered. Germany, right there. So That's I mean, in they, Germany. Yeah. Um, but you're you're right. Do well, we they're kind of Western over in Germany. Kind of right. What's that? 
They're kind of west western over in Germany. Yeah, yeah, west, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would call them western right. civ. Let's take a look at a, a robotic apple picker. How many? How many of these can pick? You ever go apple picking? You take the kids out? Only with robots. Only with robots. How many apples can this thing pick? Uh, Thirty apples a minute, I think, is what it says. So robotic harvest. Yeah, Peter Ferguson says this. He does. It says uh, advanced dot farm. It's ag tech, robots and farming. I Look at that thing. that thing. Wow. I'm, I'm like. I would like a white noise like sound generator that just plays the sound of this apple. Pit. No. I think it would freak me out if I came in, was walking through an apple field and saw that coming down. Yeah, I mean it's very skynetty. I mean now that, now that, but look, you're very adaptive. Now that you've seen it, I don't think it would freak you out. Yeah, no, no. Now that I know what it is, I'd be perfectly fine. It, um, it's interesting, you know. It te- it tells whether they're ripe or not by the color. Oh, we can tell that too. Yeah, oh yeah. I thought it just picked willy nilly. I didn't know it even had. Yeah, that no, it's not willy nilly. It's not random, man. It's got uh, stereo uh, uh, video on each one of those pickers that analyzes the uh, the color. Wow, that's really cool. Well, yeah. hey, you've passed many scale houses when you've been driving down the highway, but maybe you've wondered how much does a truck weigh? How do the scale houses work? Well, TikToker Truck Wazer, he's got you covered. Let's take a look. How much does this truck weigh? Hmm. I don't know. Let's scale it. The cat scale is exactly like a bathroom scale. <laughs> <laughs> for trucks. The difference between your bathroom scale and the cat scale is my body can be overweight and it's perfectly legal. But if my truck is overweight, it's against the law. So it's very important to know what are the legal weight limits of a truck. The truck weight limits are separated by axle. The steer axle is 12,000 pounds. The drive axle is 34,000 pounds. And the trailer axle is 34,000 pounds. I have 43,608 pounds of apples. The steer axle weighed 10,800, the drive axle weighed 33,140, and the trailer weighed 33,060. All my weights are within the legal limit, so I'm good to get rolling. All right, bud, welcome to the collection. Oh. See, that, that some seriously was loaded very, very well for a bunch of apples. Yeah, no. They scaled that thing pretty darn good. Whoever was loading that thing got it spread out real nice. (laughs) No, I I love that. I love that little sort of like breakdown of of how everything weighs in there, too. It's one of those those common questions. Share your knowledge, people. Great job. Uh, Share your knowledge. Mr. Mr. Wazer over there. I liked what he had to say. Very Um, Over at Freight Out, you may have noticed on our desk, we have some trucks here. We have, I don't know, extra ones under here. Show some trucks. We got plenty of trucks. Before we let this guy flex with his truck collection, we'll show off our own. You got another you got a diesel I laptops do. truck? No, Come on. Here, show edge. the trucks. Bring it out and bring the diesel laptops on. truck. This I've is New England Motor Freight right here. Right here. Check it out. Fallen flags. This way. I got <laughs> New England Motor Freight. This one's a fallen flag. I grew yeah. up watching these trailers go up and down the highways when I was a kid, rider, man. Rider, ever better. We got Rider, never better. But we also have a crap ton of these all around Freight Alley. These yeah. uh, first gear and all these other kind of trucks. This massive, massive uh, collection. We need to do more with them. Maybe we'll put some shelves on here. I don't know. We should bring get them some out more here trucks. And put them up there. We got some really cool. I mean, we got some old stuff. Man. I know. It's just when you see so many at once, like, uh, I don't know. Well, let's check out this guy's collection. What do you think of his? Welcome to the collection. On the shelf you go. <laughs> I'm in severe credit card debt. All right, bud. Welcome now, to the collection. I don't know. Like, I would, you all right, you don't repeat this. I don't need to hear that guy's voice twice. Thank I you. love that. I am in severe credit yeah. card debt. I, am, I well, love the display. The display is awesome. The cases are great. Now, these first gear trucks, they're, aren't they like, they're, they can be like 50 to 80 bucks. But cheap. 
They're not cheap. They're not cheap, but here's the thing, too. When some of them are, like, really sought after by collectors, there's people who, who go after these things on eBay. They can go for, like, hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You get some of the rare ones out there, like the, I don't know, what would you, like, humping to please, you know, the old camel. Humping to please? Yeah, humping to please, the old camel uh, uh, transport. They used to have a camel on it, and then their oh. logo was humping to please. It was a yeah. camel running down a thing. Now, what, like, when you think of a trailer, like I said, like, New England Motor Freight is sort of just, like, in my head. That's just, it's just yeah. burned in my head from when I was a kid. NMF. What is the trailer company that just sticks out in your head? Uh, with an, with an, oh, me. No, in your it, head, like, just in your brain narrative, like, as a, as a kid. When you think of a trailer, what do you think of? Uh, P.I.E. P.I.E. Why? I just remember a, a report in the newspaper as a very young kid of one that broke in half. It was overloaded on a kingpin and broke in half on a highway near Cleveland. Wow. So that was, that sticks in my head. I don't know why. You ever, um, you ever get offended by a truck you see drive down the road? Offended by one? Yeah, like I used to be offended all the time you? by yellow. I was at Roadway for 12 years, so yellow used to make me uh, offended every day. Oh, YRC, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're yellow again. Are, they, well, they took Sirius XM out of their trucks, so. Did they? Yeah. Wow. When I used they to host Sirius the, XM? Yeah, when I used to host the, the radio show, I was, I was pretty upset they took that out of the, uh, oh, the truck. Oh, wow. Now okay. I don't care because I don't do it, but whatever. Um, uh-huh. you, ever, you ever get offended at a football game? I was offended by everybody I played in football. Everybody you played in football? Yeah. Oh, wait, you know what? We got something to show. So Chase Barber and Edison, before we get to that football game, Chase Barber, we had on before in Edison Motors. They're making their own diesel electric. Let's take a look at it. We're going to do a little walk oh. around on the Edison electric truck, Carl. First interesting feature we come to is in this toolbox right here. So this is the plug to charge it into, say, your household grid. These cables are just my wall charger there I brought down with me, but you plug it into the outside plug right there, and that's how you charge it into the wall. Right here are the battery banks. There's a headache rack. It's a logging truck, it's gotta have a headache rack. This blue tank here is the fuel tank. Onto the steer tires, we got 425s, full steel fenders. Uh, This truck in 1962 is called a needle nose because it's so skinny. How about we open the hood here and I can show you the motor. Grab this latch, there we go. It's a butterfly hood, so it just opens up from the side. And there you got the cat diesel motor. It's a 3306. The weird part is there's no fan belts. Because it's running as a generator in the electric truck, we don't need a single fan belt on the motor. Best parts to break. It's got electric rad fans. The water pump and fuel pump are both mechanical, so the alternator just charges off the main batteries. We have a DC to DC that takes the high voltage from those big battery banks there feeds it into the bad 24 volt batteries inside this box. There we go. Here is the control unit batteries for the truck. That's a 24 for the generator. That's the 12 for the truck controls. And inside here is the computer controls. That's the DC to DC that converts the high voltage into the 12 and 24 volt. This is the wiring harness for the whole truck. So an electric truck, it's just these 10 wires that control everything to do with it. You can see how simple that wiring harness is compared to a new truck's wiring harness. Have a look back here. This is the drive motor. This is out of a Tesla Model S, but remember this is just a temporary motor until we get the electric axles in the spring. From the Tesla motor, it goes to that four-speed auxiliary where it goes to these normal differentials, which are 46,000 pound rear ends with a 4.3 ratio. And there you go. That is the walk around around Carl. Pretty cool, man. Carl's looking good. Carl's looking good. Hey, I got to warn you, PSA, before we send you home, oh, yeah. be careful if you're in Salt Lake City and you're attending these Utes games because there's been 
uh, reports that there are naked women walking around at these football games. An, invest, an in, investigation, an investigation, an investigation continues in to stole. Uh, KUTV reports continues into report of two topless women at this weekend's Utah football game. People were complaining. They're probably speaking out. They said this incident was appalling. Was this appalling. woman, uh, Johnson, she says they had a haphazard you just kind of slapperly painted on their back. And we're like, is that all they're wearing? We didn't know. And our first instinct is we have our kids with us. And oh my gosh, we've got to shield them from all of this. Be careful at those games. Find me on Twitter. I need to find me on Vincent. Don't be a stranger. Tell me how to be. Peace and love spread everywhere.